0: UsCo, also known as the Company of Us or Us Company, was a group of artists, poets, filmmakers, engineers, and composers who formed a multimedia collective in 1963. Two of its co founders, Michael Callahan, born 1944, an electronics innovator and president of Museum Technology Source, and Gerard Stern, born 1928, a poet, media artist, and president of Intermedia Foundation, reflect on their lives and the creation of USCO. Callahan and Stern discuss their artistic journeys and initial collaborations, which led to the formation of this innovative and technologically prescient multimedia collective. They provide insight into USCO's influences and activities during the 1960s. Archival footage and behind-the-scenes access to their visit to the National Gallery of Art in preparation for their performance on March 3, 2019 provide a greater context for understanding USCO's collaborative spirit, rich history, and art practice. This video opens with Michael Callahan and Garrett Stern seated side by side, shown from about the waist up. In the first few minutes, black and white and color photographs from previous points in their lives are interspersed with interview footage. Other footage includes 1966 films of USCO and excerpts from multimedia works entitled Verbal American Landscape and From Hubbub to We Are All One, reprised and performed at the National Gallery of Art in 2019. Verbal American Landscape focuses on signs, street signs, commercial signs, those on buildings, construction, and warning signs. The sign images are projected onto a large screen with the use of three slide projectors in a darkened auditorium and the projected images overlap at the edges. Each image is projected for a few moments before it is replaced by others, sometimes after flickering several times. For instance, at one point, the image to the left shows a sign saying HACKER against a blue-gray background, probably a building facade. The sign at center says, DANGER, BLASTING AREA, TURN OFF, before it is cut along the bottom edge so that the final words are lost. The words DANGER and TURN OFF are written in crimson. BLASTING AREA is written in pale orange, all against a black background. The sign to the right says CONSTRUCTION PASS AT YOUR OWN RISK, in red letters against a mustard yellow background. The lettering on all three signs features large display type of block capital letters. After a moment, these signs flash off the screen and are replaced with others saying, do not enter, wrong way, dead end, sweet temptation, pull, wait, save, love, and other words and phrases, which are sometimes cut off or incomplete. Some signs include symbols or emblems, such as a heart or neon cowboy. From hubbub to we are all one includes projected images of magazine covers, landscape photographs, and snapshots of individuals and groups of people. Footage near the end of the video shows preparations for the performance at the gallery in a large auditorium. At the front of the auditorium, a long table is laid out with a variety of apparatuses used during the performance, including four carousel slide projectors, a small sound mixer, CDs and a CD player, and the original mixed electromechanical and electronic device Callahan designed and built during the 1960s.
1: I'm Michael Callahan. And I'm Gerd Stern. I think my background in technology started at an early age. Fascinated by looking in the back of a radio and seeing the tubes glowing, and I was always interested in how things worked. Around 1961, I got involved in what was to become the San Francisco Tape Music Center with Ramon Sender, Morton Subotnick, Pauline Oliveros, Steve Reich. Terry Riley, Tony Martin, and John Cage and David Tudor. We rented space, uh, ultimately, on the Visadero Street, which was very nice, it had two large studios. One we rented to KPFA, the Pacifica station, the other to Anna Halprin's dance company, and then the tape center had the top floor, so this was kind of a one-stop shop. I was born in the Saar basin which is
2: right on the border of germany and france we were refugees from hitler and we arrived april fool's day in 1936 in new york we started out living with relatives in the bronx and eventually moved to washington heights when i was in my Teens, the first woman I ever lived with, I wrote something to her and gave it to her, and she said, you're a poet. (laughs) I I was amazed, because I hadn't thought of that at all. But it it stuck. I became involved in the avant-garde in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh,
1: have been involved in it ever since, really. In 1963, Gerard, who I hadn't met yet, was having a one-person show at the San Francisco Museum. And George Culler, the director, had offered Gerard the use of the auditorium uh, for a fundraising, uh, probably thinking, uh, poor George, that Gerard would do a poetry reading or something. But instead, was a very elaborate uh, production called Who Are You and What's Happening, which had sounds. 16 people, a panel of sociologists. There were also slides showing the early verbal American landscape slides, a number of which had been taken by Stuart Brand. Garrett had approached the Tape Center for Technical Assistance and that's how I uh, met Garrett. I think the only thing I could say about my career <laughs> is I've been willing to do it whether I knew how or not, and particularly in the tape center where things were the avant-garde, there weren't that many rules. We were also interested in information overload. So the early performances were an attempt to bring this to public consciousness that we were being bombarded with information. And we attempted to illustrate that with slide projectors and maybe a couple of film projectors and three or four speakers all playing at once. It broke into feedback, <laughs> just this marble auditorium. I, I believe the review was Alfred Frankenstein the Chronicle. Some horrendous eggs have been laid in the public halls of San Francisco in my day, but none to score somewhat of a success. It was uh, overambitious, I don't know. Uh...
2: <laughs>
1: that was very funny because
2: it made me feel like Stravinsky with the Rites of Spring scandal, because here's the scandal, but we had full audiences
1: the two nights that we did this. It had that potential of expanding consciousness very much because consciousness and expanding consciousness was a hot topic. The multiplicity of images and sounds that we were using conceivably would require raising consciousness a little to take it all in. When you get three things
2: in a sequence and you realize that they have a certain kind of meaningful input or output, you can think of them as an aha. It's a recognized
1: component of psychological insight. Media, the word media was not in common use. Also, television was basically 10 or 12 years old. The effect was not really being discussed or analyzed except by Marshall McLuhan. How, particularly on patterns of human association, how the electric media was going to dictate a new social order. It's a question of
2: prophecy because what we saw, Michael and I, very clearly was that Marshall McLuhan was prophesizing something which turned out to be 50 or 60 years ahead of him. But he he understood what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Now, the biblical prophets wanted things to be right now, but here he was 50 to 60 years ahead of him. Mm -hmm. Right now, I think if we think of things 10, 15, 20 years, that's the most. We don't see 50 or 60 years, what's going to be. And that's amazing because through history, the timing of prophecy has changed, changed, changed. The person who was in charge of the gallery at British Columbia had been at our performance in San Francisco synchronistically. He said, I noticed that you had quoted Marshall McLuhan. I said, yeah, because John Cage and M.C. Richards had introduced us to his work. He said, he'll be there, so can you come up? We piled everything into the Volkswagen Bug and drove up from San Francisco to British Columbia. And he said he would show anything that we could bring we managed to load up most of the stuff that we had done together and, and we had a show in British Columbia as well as doing a multimedia piece. Ananda Kumaraswamy, who was a historian, wrote about the artists in traditional societies who did not sign things and considered themselves as people like any other laborer. That seemed like wonderful to me. So the idea of the company of us or USCO was not to side things, but to attribute them to the company of us and called USCO. I explained that concept to the painter Steve Durkee, who was living in an old church, a hundred years old, in Garnerville, New York, which they had occupied as a studio after being in New York City. I explained how Michael and I had been working together in California and Steve really wanted to get involved in this. He said, why don't we send for Michael to come? I said, I don't know if Michael wants to leave California, Mm. but he did and he arrived and that was the beginning of USCO, which started out as three people and wound up later at 15, 20, all kinds of people involved, engineers, uh, poets, uh, artists, photographers, people who did presentations all over the United States and globally eventually.
1: We didn't have any interest at that point in Tightly programming. Yeah, we were pretty loose. Yeah, (laughs) there there were themes. I mean, there might be people, there might be abstracts, maybe five or ten slides on a theme. But exactly how these are going to come up in these four or five images, how they're going to interact, how they're going to relate, is not known yet and will be unique. It's not repeatable. because nothing is synchronous. Technically, it would have been difficult to really precisely control things back in the mid-60s, which was just as well because we didn't have really any interest in it. It's a performance. It's It's a performance as opposed to recording. It's hard to imagine today the scarcity of equipment, like trying to get two decent tape recorders in the same room at the same time, was a challenge. So we had to make maximum use of the available technology. Kodak introduced the slide projectors with the rotary tray around 1964, and we were able to acquire four of those. I built a controller to flash the lamps and change the slides to give it some more effects. I found it quite beautiful, the multiple images. In Kingston, New York, there was P and D surplus. Virtually all the computers out there were on lease, so IBM would call the old ones in to make room for the new ones, and they would wind up at P and D surplus. That's where we got the parts. Michael had a specialty of quoting how expensive
2: the parts we would buy for a few dollars they were thousands of dollars and and he would say we got it you know for 10 bucks or 15 bucks And, and it was amazing
1: you know we might initially shape the tools that we use but thereafter the tools shape us we grew up
2: totally an analogue world and we have an affection
1: for it. Maybe the world is digital, but the force is analog. Okay. <laughs> that's
2: that's great, man. That's a good line. You Thank better it. remember that. <laughs>